passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. We are back. Mike hosted the solo show post-game. Man, I'm really bummed I missed the breakdown of the Tennessee Titans and Cincinnati Bengals. Um, yeah, that was a bummer. But you went back. You watched the tape. Oh, yeah. How you feel? Not great. Mm-mm. No, uh, well, the post game of me, it felt like just the ramblings of an angry and sad uh, yeah. fan for the most part, although I tried to keep stats and context of, you know, why. I feel like I've mentioned success rate about three million times <laughs> just because I didn't understand a lot of things, but it's fine. Um Ah, it did. It was not. Sometimes you get the saying, and it's mostly true. Of it's never as bad or as good as you remember. And this was about as bad as I remember when I turned it back on. <laughs> I was like, that offense looks helpless. Um, there, at least the passing offense. Just there's more pressure than I remember. Like I, I remember them there being some pressure situations, but. The offensive line was worse than I remembered when I went back and watched. I thought, oh, well. And it's not Joe Burrow avoiding rushes. It's him getting the ball out and getting crushed because he can't currently avoid the rush. Uh, It feels like for the first time we are at a point of – we are four weeks in. Joe Burrow's calf is probably currently worse than it was two weeks ago because he re-aggravated it. Where do you go because – I think the offense as constructed 
is built for a quarterback that is going to play at an extremely high level. So how do you manage a functioning offense when the quarterback is currently one of the worst in the league in terms of accuracy, in terms of efficiency, etc. They, it, I don't think it's as simple as Zach Taylor's got to draw up some brand new schemes to get wide receivers wide open because part of the issue is the quarterback can't hit it. Right now, they don't have guys that really gain 10 yards of separation. Like I think that's another part of this is that they like ball winners. They like guys that can go up and win it that way. They like guys that can run after the catch. Chase and Boyd and Higgins all – I think are underrated at getting leverage and winning their routes that way. They're not bad route runners. They're good route runners, but they're not guys that make a corner fall over type of situation. I guess Chase did it to Christian Fulton once in that game, but uh, typically they're guys that are winning in different ways than Tyree Kill just moves different. When you're looking at him with 10 years of separation, it's because a, they respect his speed too much. And then B it's because he moves like an RC car. I've never seen somebody be able to run at like 23 miles per hour, come to a complete stop in two steps and be in another break at 18 miles per hour within two more steps. It's it's insane. Nobody moves like that in the NFL besides him. It's not just the speed. It's being able to get in and out of his breaks and stop and start. Like, like I said, RC car. That's what he reminds me of whenever I watch him on film. It's just like an RC car because they can just zoom, break, turn, and just kind of ugh, – crazy movement ability. So where do they go? Where do they go from here? You know, that's, that's, I guess, where I think they're at an impasse of what they want to be, what they practice all off season to be, what they implemented over the off season to be with training camp, everything else. They've wanted to be this team that is strictly shotgun and the quarterback is going to lead them to victory. And it is basically in my mind, a, modern version of like the 2013 Broncos. And I don't think Joe Burrow is as good as Peyton Manning, despite how good I think Joe Burrow is. <laughs> um, that's just, you know, one of the, probably the second greatest quarterback I've ever seen with my eyes. So <laughs> the second, maybe third, I don't know. Um, that, that's, that's a high bar. That's not taking anything away from Burrow. I think Burrow is still top three quarterback in the league, somewhere in that range. Um, I'm not going to get in. I'm not ranking quarterbacks. Not right now. No, and never. I, personal philosophy. I, I just don't think anything good comes of that. No. Um, but, you know, he's really good. I think he's awesome. So that's why they're able to run this offense. But now he can't do it. So it's what I keep thinking of it as is kind of like the 2015 Broncos offense where they got so ready for an offense that was going to be Peyton Manning is going to do what he does, just like he did the past couple of years, three years or so. I think he started there in 2012. Yeah, because that's Andrew Luxor here. So he got there in 2012, 2013, 2014. He was awesome all those years. 2015, he shot. Whatever reason, planner, his foot, I don't know, maybe the neck, the back, all of the above. He was Everything was just shot, and they had to adapt on the fly. Big difference, and this is why I keep only mentioning the offense, is that was one of the greatest defenses we've ever seen. They went on to win a Super Bowl on the back of that defense. But that's kind of what it feels like. There's more hope that next year it'll be better because you'll be like, well, the quarterback can get healthy from this. Peyton Manning wasn't getting healthy from that. You know, like that, that was it. That was the cliff, and he hung on. Um, but where you are for the current season just feels a lot like that. And there's hope that he can get better this season. But yeah. what do you do in the meantime? 
That's my biggest question because I feel like we we talk about it every single week. And honestly, even in the Monday Night Football game, the offense, of course, Jamar Chase looked good. But other than that, still didn't give me a lot of confidence in what the offense looked like. They did enough to manage drives to keep the defense on the sideline for a little bit. Um, but overall, the offense is is really bad right now. Bad. Do you know how and, many first downs that the Bengals picked up in the second quarter? Zero. Oh no, it's better than that. Two. I mean, at they this point, two I'm... first downs. That's, That's optimistic. Fair. The, the, the Titans this... scored three touchdowns in that quarter. The Bengals picked up two first downs. So I want to stay with the offense right now because there there is still criticism on the defensive side. Obviously, when you have twelve missed tackles and they normally have around four to maybe max five in a game, um, that is going to be really a bad day for your defense too. But with the offense right now, we talked about it on last week's podcast, and I feel like we have since the beginning when it comes to managing Joe Burrow is running the football. And I truly feel like, and this is nothing against Joe Mixon because he's their best offensive player right now. And I think that's very easy to say just with the way he's performing. I feel like they wish they would have invested a little more into that RB2 position because it's pretty easy to figure out. I think if you're the defense, you're daring the Cincinnati Bengals to run the football and they are. They, they can't even – they can't convert. So then they're off the field. Then they're playing from behind. Then they have to throw the ball because they're playing from behind and they can't run the ball anymore. What do you do for the Cincinnati Bengals? And for once – not for once I agree with you because I think you made some t- amazing points on social media today. But the biggest point that you've made – and I, no, that sounds so silly. I, I want to take kind of that criticism back because that sounded negative. It is a positive. It is a positive one about the say about you. You're awesome. You're the best film guy just to follow on Bengal social media. You said something to me a couple of weeks ago on the pod, and I said, get the ball, you go out there, you you get aggressive, you score a touchdown, and you you brought up the point, like, that's a bad idea if you win the toss to receive the ball. And now I understand yeah. it right now in this state of the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I just don't think that they're aggressive enough to win that toss and go down and score because then you're playing from behind mostly in the second half and you don't get the ball back and the teams can manage the rest of the game. It was the biggest example of why I hate that too because the Titans got the ball, went down the field, scored with no time left, they scored a touchdown, and then they got the ball after halftime and scored again. And it's like that's a 10-point swing. Whereas mm-hmm. – Say they still get that ball and they score that final touchdown, and you're down 21 to three, and that sucks. But 24 to three is worse, <laughs> and there was a possibility that could have gone 28 to three, and that is well, I guess the Patriots came back from that in a Super Bowl once, but otherwise, <laughs> it's typically a death sentence. I just, it's not the reason they're losing or anything like that. It's no. just one of the many things that kind of frustrate me in terms of. There's the narrative focus of it and let's play with a lead thing, which I understand, but currently they're not going to play with a lead when they do this because Mm -hmm. at best they're going to get a field goal and that doesn't feel like much of a lead. They have three touchdowns on the year. So basically what they're doing is getting the ball first and then either, well, I think that field goal might have been their first first points on the first drive so far this year, but um, or did they maybe did that in the Rams game. I can't remember exactly, but either way they get the ball first, they end up not scoring a touchdown and then they give up a long drive on the other end and give up at least the same amount of points going back. 
that's how it feels to me. Um, and then you're in that same situation, but you're not playing from a lead. And even if you are, even if you score a touchdown that first drive, it still doesn't feel like a lead. Like you're like the quote unquote playing with a lead. Like that to me is in the second half. That's when it's like the, the opposing offense is, you know, okay, we can't run the ball anymore because time's an issue. If you took a seven nothing lead on the Titans, they would just run their offense. You know, <laughs> like and the, Trey Hendrickson and those guys aren't going to pin their ears back because five minutes into the game they're up seven nothing. No. Titans probably just go down score and then you're tied. And then can the Bengals score again? I don't know. But yeah, right now the offense is so bad that it's even worse. It's just like at least before they would go down, score a touchdown, and maybe the idea of starting hot and whatever that actually applies to them. But really, they're like the they're not the only ones to ever do it, but they're like the only team that can that consistently ask to receive the ball rather than to defer and kick in the first half and get the ball in the second half. It's not much. It's probably like a if you looked at all the teams that ever choose to kick versus receive, they're probably like a something under five percent difference in win percentage. But it's something small, and I think it does factor in where it feels like this team needs all the advantage they can get right now. So if you win the toss, it's statistically better to defer until the second half because of that middle time. If they could be the Titans there, say they were the ones down 14-0 or 14-3 or whatever, and they get the ball right before halftime, and they drove down for a touchdown, and it's 14-10, 14-7, and then they get the ball right after half, you're feeling so good. You're feeling like, okay, awesome. Like this is, you know, like we're back in this. Yeah. Meanwhile, if, you, if you're on the opposite end, it feels like, oh, my God, this defense has to get a stop for us to even get back in this game. Yeah, so this is where we're at with this offense. And we will get to in just a moment of the comparisons to last year because it, it's a whole different situation. I, I do not have any confidence in the world right now. And that sounds so negative. I just don't. There's not a whole lot of confidence that I can pull from a quarter of the season right now after four games. And I'm not even down bad, bad on the defense, as I know a lot of people are. The offense is so concerning for me right now because everybody can look back and say, you know, should have should Joe sit the first five games like Jamar Chase said? They didn't. They felt like he was healthy. And honestly, I've said it before, the second half versus the Ravens, it felt like a little bit, a dose of Joe Burrow was back before he re-aggravated his calf again. Now it feels like we're starting over on that timeline. Of course, the early buy will be helpful, but you have two teams right now who I wouldn't be surprised if they lost both of the games to the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks, but you do have to step back and you have to take it one game at a time with this offense. I know a lot of people are calling for Zach Taylor. Look, to be completely honest, if you go around the league right now and if any offense is struggling or any team loses, they're all calling for their offensive coordinator. We hear it because we we watch the Cincinnati Bengals. Zach Taylor's the head coach. He's also the play caller. There's that comparison. And they've had slow starts every single year under Zach Taylor. I just don't have the confidence that they're going to be able to kind of change things up that they did from last year when it was around week five. Joe Burrow isn't Joe Burrow right now. They can't get that mobile Joe Burrow move around out of the pocket. He's a statue. So my confidence level is I don't know how much you can change with this offense going into week five. And I don't know if it's going to look that much different. Yeah. Okay. So we did the changes in a moment, but I just wanted to, cause I'm writing an article 
article about what uh, I think could be a positive change for this. Um, but while doing research for that article, yes, they started two and three last year, and they started three and two the year before. But do you know what their biggest loss was in either one of those years? To start off, not not including the Browns Halloween, because I'm just talking the first five games for each one. Yeah. Three points. Three points. That's the most they ever lost by during that stretch. They've been blown out by three scores in two of these three losses so far this year, including last week against the Titans. Um, They had over 350 yards of offense in five out of those 10 games. They haven't had over 350 yards of offense in any of the games so far this year. Uh, They didn't score below 17 points in any of those games. Once again, they scored over 17 points in, what, two games so far? They have two games under 17 points because they've only scored three against the Browns, three against the Titans. It's just It just doesn't feel the same. And the biggest one for me for this year versus last year, which you might be thinking, like, we could be the same record after next week. They were at a positive point differential. That's why I think two and three. Like, they lost two games by three, but they beat the Jets pretty good, and they beat the Dolphins pretty good. So they were in the positive there. That signifies that there's something good here. You know, like, this is still underneath it all a good team. And, yes, there's, like, the whole, like, you only get – the wins are the only thing that matters to make the playoffs and whatever else. But this is just an underlying, like, similar to, like, sacks and pressures where, like, this guy's not getting sacks, but he's getting a ton of pressures. So, like, he's going to get sacks. This is, like – the offense doesn't have a lot of wins, but the point differential is good. So I think this team's going to end up winning some games. And yes, they had to make changes to get there. Currently, they're at a negative 45 point differential, which is one of the worst in the league, if not the worst. I didn't probably check, the worst. but I don't, it's probably not. No, there's probably, there's got to be an 0 of 4 team that's worse. Oh, wait. No, it's got to be the Broncos. They went negative 50 against the Dolphins. That's true. That's true. Thank yes, goodness for the, definitely not the worst. Broncos. Thank goodness right for the now. Broncos. And yeah. the Giants, but yeah, negative forty-five. Negative, yeah, yeah, that too. Negative forty-five is terrible. You know, like that's it's bad, very bad. And it just it, that's kind of what the team feels like. Like, yeah, they won the one game. Outside of that Rams game, this team feels bad. Like, pretty much, just feels bad. I mean, I guess they were competitive in that Ravens game, but once, you know, it was towards the end, and that's why there was hope. But he reaggravates his calf right before the end of that game. If that doesn't happen, there'd be so much more hope heading into these weeks for me. Yeah. Whereas the calf just feels worse than it was week one and week two. So yeah, we can get into how it could how does it be get better. Fixed. How, how, how can you change it if you're Zach Taylor? You 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 start off fresh. Tomorrow is really when they game plan. They get back to work. We get back to practice. We'll get kind of a status update on on T Higgins and how they're going into this game. But how can this offense change in a positive way on the road? And I would say a must win game if you want to save your season. Yeah, I think they have to go two and two and zero oh really to save the season. Mm-hmm. Although I think they could go one and one and squeak into squeak into something you know like I two and four is not a good spot to be in especially with two tough games coming up but just because of last year I'm not going to count them out from just looking no, at the schedule yeah and I just said not to compare it to last year but this is one of those teams where I wouldn't I agree with you I think you go you go one and if you go one and one in these games you get the buy and maybe that extra week gets a little bit extra healthy for Joe Burrow and to be determined what they look, look like after that. But then they have the Niners, they have the bills and they're one of those teams that I wouldn't be surprised because they do this to me every year. They are tougher against that competition. That is yeah. the highest in the NFL right now. 
and they just surprise you in some crazy way. But right now, my confidence is pretty low. So you're going to tell me how this offense can change. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so while the pass offense is terrible, I mean, Joe Burrow in EPA per play is 34th in the league. There's 32 starting quarterbacks, and in success rate, uh, pretty similarly terrible. I had it pulled up somewhere, but, yeah, let's see if I can find it. Uh, but anyway, you know, the, the passing offense is – okay, 30th in the league EPA per play, 34th in success rate. And that's bad, obviously. The running game. Game has not been that bad, at least an efficiency standpoint, right? Like they on the year using the same statistics, 13th best running attack in EPA per play and 21st in success rate, which 21st that's obviously like below average, but it was 62% in the Titans game, which is in the top 1%. Um, so like that's incredible, and <laughs> they just didn't stick to it. Uh, I just think they keep calling the offense, in my opinion, as if Joe Burrow is healthy. I think, yes. and it, not completely, because they're not trying to call like anything to roll him out. Any five-step drops, those are kind of cut out from the playbook. It's all three-step and quicker, and they know he's going to get the ball out quick. But I mean, from a run-pass ratio, they're kind of calling it as if Burrow's healthy. Like, this is our chance to win, is Burrow throwing the ball 70% of the time. And right now, that's just not how it's going. Like, the teams are still playing the pass pretty heavily. The Titans were not afraid of the run game. And, you know, they they were worried about the pass game and the weapons and even Joe Burrow's ability. But I also just think teams know Zach Taylor's not going to stick to the run. I mean, the, the run game has been mid-level efficient, which I think is functional. So they could lean on it a little bit more as long as teams are selling out for the pass. So I feel like they need to kind of stick to it a little bit more. I know they mm-hmm. fell behind in the past game, so maybe that's why, but it's it's the whole year. They have the second lowest amount of attempts, rush attempts in the league right now, and they have the second lowest yards. So also, <laughs> shocking one. I mean, I guess not that shocking. Joe Mixon has all but seven carries in the running back room. 
the other three have combined for seven touches for 29 yards, I believe. I'm going to go check that again real quick because I wrote this one down as well. Uh, uh, yeah, seven carries, 29 yards. So they just don't trust anybody behind them. We heard all offseason about how, like, you know, Travion Williams is guy they're going to trust a lot and step into a role. He's losing the pass protection role to a tight end, and they don't even give him the ball. Chris Evans, he's been hurt. I think he's the one guy that they actually might trust a tiny bit because they gave it to him. Well, yeah, they, he has two carries in two games. So that's how Almost much they trust him. But he, <laughs> they went for seven yards and five yards. You know, like he's doing six yards of carry, I guess. Like he, he feels like the ball of energy and he's finally running between the tackles. Chase Brown, that doesn't feel like they trust him at all. Does not feel like he's gotten one carry and then just kind of went, nope, you're not it right now. And pulled them. Yeah. Um, so they've never invested. Well, can't say, well, I guess never because Samaje Piran was what, like a waiver claim? They don't really invest mm-hmm. in that backup running back position. And I feel like it's finally showing up. Like they just kind of take scratchers, like uh, fifth round pick, sixth round pick, sixth round pick, a waiver claim here, uh, veteran minimum free agent there. If, But when you look at like the best offenses, to me, like think of the Bills, they invest in not just their starting running back, which they spent a second round pick on, but then they went and got Damian Harris and they went and got, well, I guess Latavius Murray is kind of one of those vet men types, but (laughs) they went and got some guys that can actually run the ball and they trust the chiefs. Yes. Pacheco with the seventh round pick, they did spend that first round pick, which hasn't worked out, but now he is supplementing him. And they went and got McKinnon, which isn't a veteran minimum type of deal. Uh, Think of the Eagles. They spent a ton of resources at the running back position from DeAndre Swift to all those other guys. Miles Sanders in the second round. You think of other awesome offenses. The Dolphins, they are getting $3 million per year running backs, which the Bengals don't want to pay in Mostert and Jeff Wilson. And they went and spent a third round pick on Devon A-Chan. It's not A-Chain. I wish it was. That's a cooler name. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, you look at that. The teams are investing in the running back position. I feel like the Bengals have gone so deep on the other end of, you know, like, what Twitter often thinks about like running backs don't matter at all. Like you could throw anybody in there. We're seeing that they don't trust that they could throw anybody in there right now. It's just that they don't trust anybody else. So twofold. I think the way that this offense could be functional is if they lean more on the run game, they do what I'm thinking of when I'm writing about two as part of this is they get into the pistol, which is somewhere in between under center and the shotgun because Burrow doesn't feel comfortable going under center and I'm not going to, I would not make him do that with the calf because you have to push off a little bit and really get out there for run plays. This will keep the running back closer to him for handoffs. And they have to find a way to get a second running back, some trust. They have to trust a second guy to carry the ball a little bit. You look at just this past week, Derrick Henry had 22 carries. Mixon can handle 22 carries, but Ty J Spears had eight carries. And that doesn't sound like much, but that's more than the other guys combined for this team on the season. They don't trust anybody to touch the ball eight times. And he went for what 40 something yards. So he made good on those eight carries. But yeah, like that, that is just it's shocking to me right now how little they trust a second guy in the running back room. When last year it was basically 50-50 with P. Ryan and Mixon. We were having a conversation of if is Samaje P. Ryan. No, not really, but we were kind of talking about the RB2, RB1 situation. It was out there. It was, I almost think you're like, hey, Denver, Smaje, 
what's it going to cost us? Let's bring them back because I, they don't trust anybody like they trust Samaj P. Ryan at this point. Not outside of Joe Mixon because Joe Mixon, to his credit, like I said, is playing like the best offensive player right now. And he almost yep. gives me that 2021 vibe of Joe Mixon. Oh, I think he's playing at that level. Yeah. Like it might not show because they're not running the ball as much. They're not going under center, but what he's doing is awesome. You know, like the, yeah. he's, he looks really good. Uh, he's so, been, he, he's the 12th most explosive back in the league. So what's for, the problem? They don't trust. To, to me, the problem is just, they don't, they're not running the ball as much as they should. And I think that's just a very basic idea. And some people have been yelling it for weeks, but it really showed itself this past week to me. I just, yeah. I, I feel like they, they, they have a higher success rate right now running the ball and EPA per play running the ball than they do throwing the ball. And yet it feels like when one or two run plays go bad, they just kind of abandon it altogether. Like there's multiple pass plays that go bad, like per drive. <laughs> and they just, you know, we'll stick to that. I don't know. Like I, I, I get all of the analytics and everything else that say, you know, passing the ball is more efficient currently right now it's not but the way teams are playing the Bengals, they're not respecting the run game at all so while they're doing that run it on if it yeah. takes getting in the pistol to really establish and pound the rock sure i would do it i don't think i would go under center just because i don't think burrow would be comfortable enough to do that but i feel like that's why i feel like the pistol which those who don't know the quarterback line about four to five yards behind the center rather than five to seven yards and the running backs right behind him because there are issues when it comes to shotgun run game with tells um they like two run plays tight zone and duo and one of those goes opposite of the back and the other one goes to the same side from shotgun and if you really want to you could set your three technique away from the back so you stop that tight zone look and then you have somebody come down and fill on duo if you're really trying to stop their run game which nobody is but that might be their their worry is like well we got these two plays but it, there's a way teams could really take that away from us Get into the pistol, and now you could run either one of those wherever you want. You know, like it's not just going to be left or right. To me, it changes from the defense. Uh, you're not being reactive to the defense like you are with the shotgun runs. You can be proactive and dictate to the defense. Like you're lining up in that, we will punish it with this. Meanwhile, in the other one, unless you're going to take the running back and flip him over, which then the defense might just flip the front. <laughs> Uh, you're not, you're seeing like, oh, they're in that. We can't run this play right now. The other, when you're in pistol, you say, we can run this play. We'll just run it the other way. Yeah. And, and my biggest thing is I, I don't know why it is complicating for this offense. Cause right they're now. getting, they're also getting in pistol. Like that's the other part of this. Like this could be a far-fetched idea that they've, if I haven't seen them in pistol, they do like one play a game from the pistol. And those plays have been awesome. That's where that fake toss deep throw. The only deep ball they've completed was from the pistol where they ran that fake toss deep ball to Jamar chase. And then the first play of the, of the Titans game, they got in pistol ran a fake run and screen that went for about seven yards. They haven't even run a ball out of the pistol. Like if maybe they're just getting perfect looks, which yeah, I'll take those. Cause I still think while Burrow's limited and he's has all these issues. I think the compounding factor and why he's been so bad statistically is because defenses are still selling out to stop the pass game. They don't care about the run game. So if it, all it takes to switch that is to put the running back right behind him and to move him up a couple steps Sure. Like this past game, I think could be fine in those situations. Um, it won't be top of the league, but if that causes the defense to respect the run and you can create a real run pass conflict. Awesome. Create some explosive plays. Awesome. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know why it has to be so complicated, it, yeah. especially when you're seeing what Joe Mixon's able to do when he touches the ball. If they couldn't get the ball, if they couldn't get a running game going, I'd be like, oh, I get it. You're, you can't get a running game going. You can't get a passing yeah, like, game going. like nothing's working. Nothing's working. But the thing is that is a big question mark is Joe Mixon feels like Joe Mixon from two years ago and feed him the ball while your quarterback isn't healthy right now. I mean, goodness, we don't know the percentage of Joe Burrow, but honestly, it feels like a 50% Joe Burrow out there. And that's being yeah. kind. Uh, to be completely honest. And I just don't understand why you want to protect your quarterback and you're not protecting your quarterback and running the ball would probably protect Joe Burrow a little bit better. Even if you're just throwing short passes to Joe Mixon at this point, he's getting separation and just watching him out there. It's at least getting your offense moving because the, the first offensive series that they did have, which I think I would have gone for it on fourth down. They didn't. I know it's easy to look Me back too. on it. You know, like I just, I think you need to be aggressive. Because they haven't scored any. They, they, they've barely scored touchdowns all year. Like this is. You have the ball moving. Close. Yeah. They were moving the ball just fine down. And the, the Titans down. don't feel like a team. Well, maybe they would have because the Bengals' defense has been bad. They don't feel like a team that would have driven it down ninety-eight yards for a touchdown. No, I, I would have felt really, really confident just at least attempting that there at the very beginning of the game. You're running it, and at least, just I mean, goodness, it's easy to look back on that game, but. I, I want to flip to the defensive side right now because, like you mentioned, you are going to have a piece up on all Bengals talking everything offense. So I think fans are definitely going to want to check that out before you get to the Week 5 cards in Bengals game. There is, there's a lot of problems offensively, and I think it's more than, than Joe Burrow's cap right now, and that's really unfortunate. Um, and hopefully we can kind of talk back about a bounce-back game with this offense when they play the Cardinals, but my confidence level is about 50% right now. So we'll flip to the defensive side of the ball. There's criticism there. Uh, as I mentioned before, they had 12 missed tackles. Lou pretty much went off on it and said there's normally four to five max when you play a game. 12 is is 12 can't happen. For me personally, I know I shouldn't do this, and I feel like it's an, an excuse right now because I think a lot of people said, oh, see, this is what happens when Dax Hill and Nick Scott are out there and your secondary Cheeto's coming back, and it, it's this, it's Cam Taylor Britt, it's everything they want to point on the defensive side of the ball. And, look, they did not, they didn't have a good game. But when your offense can't get anything going and you're on the field for what feels like 80% of the time, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to stop an offense. So I'm not too down on the defense. It isn't last year's defense. It isn't the defense that could have saved them in a game against the Tennessee Titans or even in the Ravens game where they didn't have a good game. And I felt like the offense finally got something going in the second half and the defense struggled. It hasn't been the same, and that's really unfortunate. But then you get that inspiring, a little bit inspiring. I know who they were playing against when it comes to the offensive line against the Rams on Monday Night Football. And I thought, you know what? Maybe the defense is back. Maybe maybe it's back and everyone can calm down a little bit. How are you feeling about the defense right now? Pretty concerned. Um, I do think you can put a, a bit of how poorly they played on just them not getting any breaks. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned, that second quarter, because the first quarter, what the defense was fine. And then they gave up 21 points in the second quarter. They got, they only were able to get two first downs on offense in that second quarter. So it was basically defense, man, we got our butts kicked on like an eight minute drive or a six minute drive or a five minute drive, go to the sideline, grab a little paper cup of Gatorade. And then the offense is punting the ball and you go, crap, I gotta get my helmet. And then same thing is like, man, we got our butts kicked. Like let's, let's pull together. Let's figure out what's going on by the time they all huddle up and the ball is being punted. So I was like, well, we don't have time for that. So we got to get back out there. And I could feel by the end of that, you know, like that just feels exhausting to play that long for one 90 degrees. 
90 degrees. It was a hot game too, but that's and maybe that's why they missed so many tackles. Maybe that's why the front did not take advantage of a bad Titans offensive line. This is the worst Titans offensive line they've faced in the past yeah. couple of years. And this was the only time that they got dominated up front. So I think there are issues as well that lead into that, that happened in the first quarter, but we're just going to look at, you know, the, I think I think some of the guys might have been a, a bit tired already by the second quarter. Um, I have a lot of concern right now for the backup defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. I just – I ugh, Josh Tupo and Zach Carter through four weeks have been pretty bad. I think Tupo has regressed, uh, and Zach Carter has not taken any step forward. He he had one play where he had a clean win, and I almost clipped it and sent it out because I felt bad about saying something mean about him because it's like these double teams are sending him six yards upfield, and that can't happen because that's making life extremely difficult on your linebackers who then overran it and big gain running right at Zach Carter, which they did multiple times this game. They went, let's run at 95. Uh, but then he has a, a big win, a dominant win, swims outside of the guard and runs, and on a play action pass, he comes up and hits the running back and Tannehill throws it as he's up there. It's like, man, find the ball, find the ball. You almost like turn this game around for yourself where if you had like some dominant sack like that, completely different conversation, but because he didn't, the narrative for me now is like, what is he adding? Because typically he's not running on these pass downs. He's not generating a lot of pressure. Um, but if I had to guess his sack total on the year, I'd probably set the over under at like one and a half. Like, does he get a sack? Maybe two. Miles Murphy's Murphy's probably going double, triple. Murphy's already got one. He's he's, he's got infinite more sacks. It was a good sack. I know his effort, but it was a good sack. I could talk about it a little bit. But but overall, was that Carter? This was going to be the year of saying, okay, this is it. This is your opportunity. It it typifies a little bit of what they did, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. like, well, these guys will step up. And then we just haven't seen that. No. No, so it's I agree with you. I mean, there are concerns. It doesn't feel like last year or even I've mentioned it before in the playoff run in 2021 and even in 2022, where it felt like, man, the defense was dominant. The defense stepped up in these games and it was absolutely huge. And right now, when your offense can't get anything going, your defense isn't saving you at all. And it's just been really unfortunate. And I think we've noticed that in a lot of games this season. I don't put it too much on week one against the Cleveland Browns. Um, because I, I I don't know, maybe maybe I should have looked at the defense there and said, man, it's just a bad defensive unit. For me, it was the Ravens game and it's this game where mm-hmm. it just it there's there's some glaring holes. And, you know, I, I don't know what Lou does in that situation. I don't know what the defense does, but you can't miss 12 people and expect to win a game or even be close in a game. And I know you're on the field the majority of the time because your offense can't get anything going. But at some point you got to stop them, because as you mentioned before, that third quarter when they had the ball, they pretty much took up the whole entire quarter, the Titans offense. And I know there were some penalties that led to first downs, but overall you couldn't get off the field and you're coming out after halftime for that. And it was absolutely brutal. So yeah, I mean, it's, it isn't good football right now. And I know you, I mentioned before you brought up really good points out there on social media, just about this comparison to, Hey, you know, they were in this situation last year or they, you know, even if they went on Sunday, they're, they're two and three. And it's, it's just, it isn't last year. There, there are some real concerns and problems. And I don't, 
I don't, I don't know how to feel going into week five, to be completely honest. We'll wrap it up right now. Just kind of where you're at on concern level, or if there's any kind of optimism where this team is right now, I, I, the AFC North is what it is. It looks like the Ravens are going to run away with it. I think they have like a 93% chance of winning the AFC North right now. And the Bengals have the Bengals have a 1.8 maybe, um, which I don't even think you think about that stuff right now. Early. It is all it it's early. I, I'll I'll be concerned about that uh, if they lose this week, and then I'll go like, yeah, I don't know if this Bengals okay. team's really winning the North. <laughs> so. So we're, I mean, I, I, look, we had a lot of bad things to say because it's bad football right now. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chilling by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Where are you at overall in this picture as you go into this week five? I'm pretty concerned. I think this week's huge uh, because they're the better team on paper, but this Cardinals team's been scrappy all year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And they've been a really good run offense. And if I have more optimism about one area of the defense, I think it's the pass defense because it feels like it's a lot of communication stuff, assignments and alignments, just stuff that I think it's cleaned up over the next couple of weeks. You know, we tried to talk about, we're probably going to get some communication errors on the back end, similar to how the offensive line, when you put in those new pieces, have communication issues. Defensive backs communicate just as much as the offensive linemen, just from further away, usually. Yeah. Uh, so like, that's, I feel like the pass defense is probably going to be okay. But the run defense, it's all the same guys for the most part. And it's the same coaches. So that's where maybe you turn that, and that's how you turn that into, oh, so the, you know they'll just turn it around. Like these have been good run offenses. That's been the issue. But to me, I almost go like, man, it looks like a lot of guys are having their career worst year. Like Mike Hilton looks like he's having his career worst years so far. Um, Logan Wilson had that awesome game against the Rams. And Pratt had a pretty good game against the Browns besides being driven 25 yards by Wyatt Teller, but neither one of them has been consistent, and they were both bad in this past game. Zach Carter has to take a step. He's been a net negative. Josh Tupo, net negative. Uh, I wish that they had one less edge guy and one more interior defensive lineman I like because I feel like Sample, Murphy, and Osai, I think, like, yeah, those guys can play as much as they want when it comes to the defensive tackle rotation i think like man i don't want those guys really on the field too much <laughs> but yeah. uh i don't think you know that reader's been playing well i think he's been the only defender to play consistently well although i also don't think it's been at the elite level that i was used to last year and the year before where he would just be utterly dominant right now he's just being really good which you'll take but yeah at the same time, like I, I, I don't think I would go. This guy is without a doubt the in the top two, three nose tackles in the league. 
maybe he has that case, but right now it feels more like, yeah, this is a good nose tackle. He's, he's a good player. Um, I think BJ Hill's fine, but I want him to be a little bit better just because when BJ Hill is on, he's kind of like the disrespectful, I guess. But I do think of him as like the Robin for Reader's Batman. Like when Reader is being a top two nose tackle, BJ Hill is like, you know, I'm a really good run defending three tech as well. Yeah. Like you can't just focus on all your attention there because I'll dominate this guard. I'll beat, I'll smoke him if you give me the opportunity. And right now it feels like he's more like, fine. And he had a really good pass rush, but I'm talking about run defense because that's what I'm really worried about right now. Um, Trey Hendrickson has been, you'll get some splash plays, but he's been not great so far when it comes to defending the run. And Sam Hubbard, I just can't believe there's been a couple plays where I just went, oh, Sam Hubbard, like not a great rep here. And the main one I think of is a play that I am most frustrated about still after Sunday where they fumbled the pitch and it went for an explosive play. And Sam Hubbard was, in my opinion, the primary culprit on it because he was the backside contained defender. And he kind of changed his angle when he saw the ball on the ground as if he was going to get it. But man, I'm so much thinking like, just go hit the running back. Just go hit the running back because A, that's legal because you just think, hey, he had the, I thought he had the ball. Yeah. He fumbled. But also B, like that gives you an opportunity of somebody else picking the ball because he picked it up himself. See, like that is kind of your job on this play. You're too far away to really get that ball unless he bobbles it on the pickup, which happens all the time. I'm not saying this was some abysmal play from Sam Hubbard, but it just it's kind of just kind of showed the the entire day for the Bengals where the Titans were able to put the ball on the on the turf and then pick it up and still go get an explosive play. Yeah, I felt pretty personal against the Titans. That's for sure. Uh, I know the Bengals have had their number for, for a couple of the games and that one was just, it was all dominance and it just, it didn't make me feel good offensively or defensively. And I'm look, you go back and you clean it up. I, I do trust Lou and Aruma as one of the best defensive coordinators, if not the best defensive coordinator in the league to, to fix in. And, and the players got to step up too. Um, it's really on everybody. And even on the offensive side of the ball, I think you can point to every there there's, there's somebody in almost every position group, that needs to step up right now. And, you know, there are concerns with T Higgins going to be playing through um, his fractured, he said rib uh, to be determined if he plays against the Cardinals. But right now we'll obviously get a bigger picture when they return to practice. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, they return to practice today. And we'll get uh, what's going to happen the rest of the week. Zach Taylor did say Joe Burrow will be playing in this game. And uh, yeah, I it's a very big question mark. And it is it feels like Sunday is a really long way away when you're sitting at one and three. And the expectations were really high for this team and a calf injury that keeps lingering into the season. But that's all I got right now. I know you have plenty of work over on all Bengals. You're going to have more. I'm, I'm already making this. You better have it up, Mike. It's going to be up at some point in the next couple of days, maybe a day. I think it'll be up by people are listening because I actually got a nice start on it. I'm already too many words in with 1900 and I'm not done yet. So uh, I, I think I could slap on another hundred and call it a day for the most part. But yeah, that, I, it's just going to be, it's not any you know, like fan venting frustration type of thing. It's more so trying to look under the hood of this Bengals offense, why it sucks right now and what change they could make to try to help it. We're in, a, we're in the solution business. We are trying to figure out what's wrong with this team and how they can fix it. So make sure you check out Mike's article. It's going to be on all Bengals. Also follow along Bengals underscore stands, really good breakdowns of every game. And you can follow me at LNDS Patterson. Thank you as always for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.